guys. What's going on? What's going on? Entertain the geeky. Hello. Hello. It's it's so weird. Like with the intro, we used to be like, guys, what's going on? Right. And uh, I was talking to my dad one day, and he's like, it doesn't sound genuine. He's like, you need to knock that shit off. That's not how you are. It sounds fake. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Your own dad was like, you sound fake. He Stop did. being fake. Basically. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you're a smart guy. People like listening to you. He's like, don't fucking do that anymore. <laughs> and I was like, okay, dad. Yeah, just a nice little hello. Hello out there Welcome. to internet peoples. <laughs> um, so had a, had a nice little week break here. Yeah. Um, new games came out. We they got, did. We Star got to Wars do some Jedi Survivor stuff. came out. Uh, it's good so far. It's um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I'm going to spoil a little bit of early plot stuff here. So if you've not played the game, jump to a later part of the video. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's incorporating the High Republic into its story, which is interesting um, because the High Republic's really only been told to us in. Um, uh, media or in other media, right? So in comic books and novels is really the only way they haven't put it in, in any television shows yet or any cartoons or anything like that. Um, and it's a, an era set hundreds of years before the prequels when there were no Sith, when the Sith were, you know, when the Jedi were at the height of their power, when they were exploring the galaxy, when they formed the galactic Republic to begin with, right? Basically the high Republic era is the Jedi kind of going out into the universe and convincing planets to join their their republic, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so you find early, very early on in the game, I mean, it's the second place you go, you find a Bacta tank with uh, a man in it, preserved from the High Republic era. Uh, and he, you know, you he he communicates with you through the Force. You let him out. Uh, Cal like explains to him like, "Hey, the galaxy's probably a lot different from your time. the The Jedi are gone, and the Empire rules, and a Sith Lord took over the Republic. And so this guy is shocked by that, but also he is he had become disenfranchised with the Jedi Order in his time. I'm such an unprofessional person. <laughs> he had become disenfranchised with the Jedi Order in his time, clearly, and." the first thing that happens to him is he uses the force to take apart his lightsaber. He pulls out the crystal and he bleeds the crystal. Um, we essentially watch him turn to the dark side right before our eyes, right? This was the thing uh, that he was waiting to do in his 100, 200 year nap that he had in the back to tank. Uh, and he immediately leaves. And I think he's the villain of the game. Huh? So interesting little twist on the High Republic, which is, which was a high ideal, right? I mean, it was, you know, modern Jedi, or at least what we would look at in the prequels eras. Um, yeah, the High Republic was the paragon, right? It was the virtuous time when the Jedi were uh, spreading the message and recruiting new Jedi and building the order. Um, Yoda was there, right? There was mm -hmm. a high council uh, still uh, because Yoda is, you know, lives for 900 years. Obviously, he's part of every era of Star Wars history. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if it involves Jedi, Yoda's there. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, not only does that, not only is that something that's interesting, um, but the game feels the same, right? I mean, they introduced some new concepts, some new powers, some new lightsaber stances, but overall combat, uh, exploration, it all feels very consistent with what the first game was. And I know some people prefer new games to be a complete overhaul and do right. something new. I don't, honestly. Like, if you're going to go beyond the scope of what you're doing, sure, and do something different. But within the game's main narrative, going from game one to game two, I like that consistency. I felt the same with, you know, the God of War from 2018 and God of War Ragnarok. I jumped right back into that. I didn't have to turn on the tutorial. I didn't have to look at the controls. Like, I know how to play this game, and this game is the same. Right, So I go into it immediately knowing what I'm doing, parrying, using the little force abilities, push and pull. Uh, so yeah, I like it. I think it's, it's you know, it's got some glitches, but again, so did Jedi Fallen Order. Right. Um, I think Respawn, though, uh, as a subsidiary of EA, they're making EA look pretty good with these Star Wars games. I mean, it's that's good because initially there was some complaint about... EA should, yeah, I yeah. don't know that they ever should have been handed the Star Wars license by Disney, but they gave it to them, and we got some Battlefront games that were okay, I guess. I don't know. I didn't really play them. Pay to play is what they were. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but then Jedi Fallen Order came out, and when I saw that, when I, when I started experiencing the scope of what that game was, I was like, man, acquiring Respawn was a good choice, right? Like Because you see the EA logo, but EA didn't do any of the development on this. They just right. put the money up. Here's the money. Make a game. Respawn made the game. And I think that gets overshadowed when you're watching, you know, the the little uh, production logos flash. Right. EA's the big one. That's the one you recognize. And it's just like, dude, you guys didn't do anything. Just, but here's the money. Make a video game. Like, Respawn should get more credit for what they're doing. EA's history is really interesting, though. Um, <laughs> I, I won't really get into it because it doesn't have much to do with this, but... How how they came into the game space was actually kind of fucking wild because yeah. every it was when video games started to become a prominent thing it was the fucking wild west man sure and it was just a bunch of people that were basically doing this out of their garage or their school or whatever and it was right. really really impressive EA was one of the first companies to really blow up with it and they made a name for themselves because of Madden I was gonna say acquiring Madden was yeah, the getting thing that the they did getting that, the NFL license to mm -hmm. to make video games was at least for the people who enjoy those kinds of games a huge boon right and that's kind of what put them on the map and started them down the path that everyone gives them shit about now, where they just release the same game every year with a, with a shinier coat of paint. Every, everybody fucking buys it too. That's the crazy it's part, man. The Maddens, the call of duties. They're all the same every year with a few minor tweaks. Well, I, what blows my mind is like they could do a Madden game every four years. Sure. And yeah, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing it. that they're releasing the same game with a little more polish, right? Again, right. I just described the fact that I actually enjoy that in video games, but right. I know a lot of people don't. Sure. Right? Again, I, I talked about that in a, a minute ago when, you know, most people are, you know, I want something different with a new game. I don't know. I'm the same guy. Same. Just do the same. <laughs> do if more it, of that. Give me a better story. <laughs> I got, uh, my, my D&D &D group got back together and it's been really nice. exciting. So I'm, I'm DMing again and my, uh. My player characters, their first session, they get they're basically sent out to find these lost adventurers. Right, and uh, it's a good cross country trip for them to get to the coast, and they have to go from the coast. They're going to board some ship and go to another continent, 
where these um, adventurers were last seen. Okay. Uh, so they're making their way to the coast, and they were attacked and captured by goblins. Um, they get into this goblin cave system and strongholds. Goblins. goblins. Little, your, your, your whole party got captured by goblins? They were grossly overrun. <laughs> and It just seems like, how, does these, how do these tiny little goblins catch you? Level one's a bitch. <laughs> um, level one is brutal. So... They get captured. They are being sold off as slaves is what you find out. The goblins are like, oh, yeah, no, we're selling. Yeah, you. yeah, you're they're, they're, they're in, in the trade. Yeah, we have no use for you. Yeah. Um, and the party's like, okay, so as they're being transported through the caves to be taken to whatever slave traders they're going to, they manage to escape, and they get in these big brawls with uh, tons of goblins. They kill the goblins' king, and make their way out of the cave system. Um, right. They get out of the caves. It's dark out. They're exhausted. They're like, fuck, dude, we got to go like rest. So they go just a little ways from the mouth of the cave and go to bed. And <laughs> a goblin comes up and starts yelling. And I was like, hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm peace, peace. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, what do you want? And he's like, we're, uh, we're on the same team. You're the king now. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And they're like, which one of you killed the king? And the one who killed the king took his sword. And uh, the goblin's like, oh, okay, so you're the the king now. (laughs) And the guy's like, "Um, okay, what does that entail? He's like, well, you rule the goblins. Uh, You get to pick a hand and all this stuff. Right. And the guy's like, okay, is there a way that we can get to the coast faster using your cave system is really how this started. And they were like, well, yeah, yeah technically, but it might be kind of perilous. So uh, we can do that. We can, you can at least rest for a little bit here so that you're good to go on your nice long journey. And they're like, okay. So they go into the caves and he's like, oh yeah, by the way, there's goblins that were loyal to the last king that are probably going to try to kill you. And they're like, how many are there? And they're like, well, there were really 12 that you had to worry about, 10 to 12, somewhere in there. Like the captains. Exactly. Yeah, his yeah, his, yeah. his right-hand right hand right, right, gobbies right. or whatever. Yeah. So they go through, and the first thing the king does is orders all these people to be killed. And he's like, every one of you that brings me one of their heads, um, you'll be rewarded for. And the his goblin hand that's kind of just been like, you're the one that's the king. He becomes the hand, more or less. Sure, sure. Uh, so he's like, they're food motivated more than gold. And gold doesn't really do us a whole hell of a lot of good here. Um, so if you can come up with some good food. Well, they managed to kill a bunch of quail. And goblins love quail <laughs> in my world. So, it's a goblin delicacy. Yeah, quail. It, it is. They they So they stuff the whole quail in their mouth and eat it raw. Jeez. Um, so first head gets delivered to him. And the goblin grabs one of these quails and just smashes it in front of the party. Feathers and stuff are hanging out of his mouth and the party members are like, what the fuck? And, uh, Golthar is the, uh, goblin hand. It's, that's his name. He's like, no, that's how, that's how we eat these here. It's like sushi. (laughs) And, uh, He's this like, is feeling an awful lot like Fry accidentally becoming king of the water planet by drinking the emperor. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> um, they they manage to kill off this resistance, and as heads are being brought to them sure. of these bad guys, and they're getting their quails, uh, slaves are brought to them, 
because they're like, hey, we captured some more right, slaves. Right, right. Here's, here's a reward for you. Yeah, and the king's like, whoa, what do you mean slaves? He's like, we don't do slaves anymore. That's not our thing. And the goblins are like, well, what the hell are we going to do? This is, you know, this is how we barter. And they're like, no, we don't barter like this anymore. So you can make things. You guys are good at making things. Just trade that. Sure. Uh, so in two sessions, they managed to abolish slavery within a, become a king of a colony and abolish slavery. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's Fry drinking the emperor. And, and you are now the emperror. Right? You drank our emperor. It's been a lot, but now they've added this fold that I totally didn't anticipate of, oh, well, now they rule the f- this little goblin sect. And it, it's, like I said, players are never going to do what you want them to do. It's my fault because I thought, <laughs> I thought giving them this guy that's like, you're the king now, they're either going to kill him or tell him to piss off. Like, yeah, but there's like no, I said, players are never going to do what you want them to no, do. No, no. They're like, yeah, no, we're fucking totally the king now. Your expectations are always going to be wrong. But the king's not really making announcements or anything. Like, not these grand speeches or anything like, I am the king now and this is how we run. Yeah, but I mean, theoretically, as the king, couldn't he just appoint someone else king and just leave? Kind of. Right. Like, I feel like that maybe is something your players might do eventually. So what they've discussed thus far is they're like, no, we're going to get trade routes established with all the major kingdoms here, and we're going to get the goblins built up as like a real society. So um, so your players are trying to turn <laughs> a little group of evil goblins into traitors within the society they exist in? Yes. How the hell's that ever gonna like, work? And not not because they were trading, they were trading people, which is bad. Well, I understand that, and, right? But like, are the rest of these cities also inhabited by goblins? Because no. unless that's the case, I don't know that people are gonna be cool with and, that. Well, and that's the funny part. So one of the party members is a goblin, and like I played a goblin in a previous uh campaign. Sure. Um I did weeby goblins back when it came out. You're looked at with a good amount of prejudice because yes. you're not a normal member of society. That's what I'm saying. So how are you going to integrate this that's, within your kingdom? That's what they're having to figure out right now. And <laughs> but this has nothing to do with your overarching story, Nothing right? to do with it. But, uh, right. yeah, it's, again, <laughs> fantastic. My, my fault because I didn't say, you know, all right, they're gone. Move on with your, right, with your journey. Yeah. You defeated the goblins. Time to go. <laughs> I was just trying to throw a fun NPC out there for them, and they sure. fucking grabbed that shit and ran with it. They always will. Oh, dude, always will. so good. They're yeah. like, I guess this is what we're doing now. We're kings. Yep. Yeah, it's man. It's, uh, like I said, it's just, if you're, if you're thinking in your head, this is what I expect the players to do. Go the opposite route, because that's what they're going to do. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Typically, I leave things very open ended, so I'm not caught with my pants down like that. I, I won't. I'm sure, but eventually, you got to kind of pigeonhole it into right. Where and you there, need it to there, be, there are right? times when I do like I, for combat in the first session. I wanted it to be with goblins because they're low enough CR that I knew the party wouldn't get totally nuked. Well, sure, yeah, and it could it would be a competitive fight. So, and I wanted them to be captured and have to fight their way out and maybe use some stealth or anything like that. Motherfuckers didn't use any stealth to get out of the caves. <laughs> so instead of killing, do they it, have stealth? Are they, they have stealth abilities. People? Yes, <laughs> yes. Because sometimes it's fun to put people in situations that they just have no uh, ability or recourse to help. Like I don't disagree at all. Putting the big dumb paladin in a situation where he's got to be sneaky. It's great. It's hilarious to watch. Right, your armor's <laughs> clanking as you're making your way through the clay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> no, so they, uh, <laughs> man, they leaned into it hard. And it's it's this new fold that I'm like, well, this is going to make the story very interesting. And it's it's a homebrew world. So that's sure. that's extra fun because it's like, all right, well, if you manage to turn the goblins into a viable group and a normal member of oh. society here in our yeah. world, that's fucking huge, man. And I'm oh, excited yeah. I mean, about but that. But again, uh, that that is going to require a lot of careful uh treading on your part because oh. again you can't just say oh yeah the rest of the people just accept goblins no. as part of this society because they they wouldn't i can't they're gonna have to that be, would be a lie right the, <laughs> these fucking brutes are gonna have to be diplomats all of a sudden exactly yes like, how does a goblin become a diplomat well not all the party members are goblins but they are they don't look like most of the other people one of them's from another plane of existence and stuff like that so it's just like man you guys are you're not making this easy for yourselves, but it's going to be cool. Yeah, I mean, good luck. I had a I had a a, a drow campaign that I ran, and they my players were were super evil because that's who drow are. And then they changed everything about how the drow world works, and they were trying to like go out and show people like, no, we want to be a part of society again. And we didn't really get to that part. This was right before COVID. But yeah, I don't really know how I would have handled that, right? Because it's hard for people or for the society and the world at large that you're, you're playing this game in to set aside centuries of prejudice. Right. Right. Like, no, you see a dark elf and you go, Oh shit, the dark elves are coming and they're going to kill us all because that's what they typically do when they come to the surface. If you see a drow on the surface, it's a scout in advance of a raiding party. That's about to come kill everyone in your village. We're about to get hit up. No. Yeah. Everyone. From the elderly to children to men to women, everyone is going to die when you see that that yep. drow scout. Yep. So yeah, I was I was actually looking forward to and extremely terrified of trying to work how work out how that was going to fit within the story within the narrative. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we never got to finish that game. Uh, I was sad because I had a really good ending for that game. Did you? Yeah, but we never got to get there because COVID, and then. On the other side of COVID, well, I mean, I don't, I don't even think we're on the other side. We're just going to be dealing with COVID forever now. It's like the flu now. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it's just endemic now. We're just going to be dealing with it forever. But uh, yeah, I just, I never could get that group back together to to finish that game. I still have all the sheets and stuff. It was a fun game. I save character sheets from a previous session or previous campaign so I can use them as NPCs in oh, the future. Sure. Since, yeah. we're, since we're world building, I'm like, yeah. oh, well, it's not been 100 years or anything yet. So it makes yeah. sense that you could run into Billy. Or, you know, yeah, Kena who was or whatever it? Names I think are. it was somebody that I was playing Rise of the Rune Lords with, which was a Pathfinder uh, module. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a sequel to it. And when we played the sequel to it, the DM still had our old character sheets. And the sequel to it takes place years and years and years later. So, like, our old characters were NPCs in the world that That's awesome. we learned under because they were the last group that had fought the Rune Lords and won. So when the Rune Lords returned, it was like, well, who are you going to seek out to help you? Uh, the other people that defeated this evil right. who are like old dudes now. <laughs> So that's what we did. We ended up interacting. I interacted with a previous character that I that's played. That's awesome. It was really fun. And the DM did a good job of like nailing who those characters were when we played them. Because I played a big, dumb barbarian guy who's just likes to fight and beat stuff up and kill things. He didn't have really any intelligence or charisma. He's just big, strong. <laughs> I'm here to fuck shit up. Yeah, exactly. 
so yeah, that was uh, that was an. I like that. I like that. It was a, it's an interesting way to integrate old story into new story. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Do you? Uh, so do you do more modules or do you do more uh, like homebrew shit with your? Me personally, with your I would always prefer to write my own story. Okay. Um, people I've gamed with over the years, yeah, have have fallen to the module thing. And some of the modules are great. Rise of the Rune Lords is a great story. Right. We had a lot of fun playing that story. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I always prefer to write my own thing because I like telling stories. Um, and I have, I don't think I'm, I'm good at writing stories, but I think I'm decent enough to keep people engaged within my oh, narrative. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm getting ready to start this month, actually, uh, a and d game that I'm setting in the Breath of the Wild, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That'll world. be badass. Yeah. And the players are going to be playing the four champions on the day that Link and Zelda fell. Uh, and I basically just created a Zelda game. Are you using a particular game system for it? D&D. Okay, it's it's edition D&D, yeah. yeah. Uh, I basically just created a Zelda game that has dungeons, boss fights. You know, I basically just created because i've played every almost every zelda video game that's Mm -hmm. ever been made um so yeah i just took that knowledge and just created a little zelda adventure for my players to go on that's badass yeah and i have these little dungeon tiles and i'm so i'm gonna do it like zelda where when you go into the dungeon you only see the first tile and you have to leave the room for me to draw the next tile and oh that's wonderful until you find a chest with the treasure map or with the with the dungeon map in it, and then I will put all the tiles on. That's awesome. The table, right? Because that's how <laughs> it works in the video game. You only see the rooms you've entered, mm-hmm. and once you find the map, now you see the whole picture. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. So I, I did it again. I did it just like a Zelda game. Dungeon map in the dungeon. There's a compass in the dungeon that will tell you where treasure and the boss is, and there's a boss key to find because the boss is locked behind a big door that you have to have a key to get into. That's wonderful. Are you using uh, particular classes for that? What do you mean for the so for the champions? Like, are they all a particular class? Like, are they a, a normal yeah, D and D class? It's it is based on a D and D class. Okay. Um, Daruk is based on Barbarian. Okay. Rivali is based on Ranger. Uh, Mifa is based on Monk. And Orbosa. What's Orbosa? I don't remember what her class was based on. But it was all in a module that I found uh, on the internet. Somebody had already done the legwork. That's awesome. Right? Somebody had already created <laughs> classes that were comparable to or that were based on D classes that you could pick for your specific things so i just looked at these characters and said okay which one right he, he also this person who created i don't even know if it's a he this person that created this also uh did all the racial abilities for the races within hyrule oh that's all sick. based on dnd's uh, system. So yeah, he's not charging for it. Like it's free to download because right. he can't, right? If he charges for it, Nintendo will give him a cease and desist letter. Right. Um, but so yeah, it's just called uh, Zelda Shattered Sword. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, and it's a cool little little module, or not a module, it's a cool little campaign basically. Yeah, campaign guide for doing a Zelda game. That's badass. He dude. also designed his own Zelda themed D&D sheets. That's oh what I put all God. my characters on. I'll, I'll bring them and show them to you one day. Yeah, I would love to yeah, see them. Yeah, they're really cool because they incorporate the Triforce into it and stuff. Like, it's That's a really cool so machine. Cool. But it's got all the things on there that are just D&D stuff. Right. right? 
Anybody who's played D&D Just would different flavor. Oh, I know exactly what all this is. Okay, cool. That's so cool. <laughs> I want to do, so I want to do Starfinder, but I would only play that as modules um, out of the gate. And it's, it's not that I couldn't come up with a story and stuff for that. I, I want to be a player character in that, and I right. wouldn't want to force somebody else into building a whole fucking universe or galaxy or whatever. For sure. For well, and, and honestly, theoretically, you could use Starfinder as a backdrop for whatever you wanted, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, just like I'm using D&D for Zelda, you could use that to play a Battlestar Galactica game. You could use right. that to play a Star Wars game. I mean, there are laser swords in yeah. that game. Space wizards. They can't call them lightsabers, but they call them laser swords. <laughs> but it's just a lightsaber, right? right? Like, so you could do whatever. You could put any sci-fi uh, thing in there. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I do want to play that one. Then after this campaign, my group is switching to Pathfinder 2. Um, yeah, as I say, you just recently got a book. Yeah. The core book, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, so the action economy is, much better than fifth edition. Um, how they do a lot of the stuff in it. Sure. It's a little more fluid. It's less swingy. Isn't uh, that funny? Cause Pathfinder first edition was just a perfected version of three, five, three, five. Yeah. And so like they let fifth edition come out, saw what it was and said, we can do better. Pathfinder second edition. <laughs> right. Well, and they did, but it's also, so the funny thing about it is uh, with, all, I'm sure most of the people watching this or listening to it know about the uh, OGL debacle a couple yeah, of months ago. Yeah, the open game license. Um, so the new game license, like for the new license for open gaming that's being proposed by Paizo and a few other companies is called Orc. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Which is amazing. Like you just what's, wanted what's to- What's that an acronym for? I for fucking get. <laughs> Hold on. We'll look this up real fast. Because <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's good. If they found a good acronym- that, that uses O R K or even O R C O R C or O even O R K would work, right? Like, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the open game license thing that was a that was a huge mistake on their part, and and they've done some real damage to their brand. I think. As oh, they a did it. Of it. They did a ton of damage to their brand, and now the uh, there's several other people that are on board with this orc thing. Yeah. And it's other it's other decent sized publishers, so it's like, man, you might be in a bad spot if they're able to make really great play systems. Sure. Um, Pathfinder two, it has to have a couple of different a couple of words reducted. So they're putting out a polished version of Pathfinder two that is all orc compliant and not OGL compliant. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so really, really interesting. What's it called? Uh, yeah. Open RPG Creative License. Orc license, open RPG creative. Oh, uh, clever. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. I uh, like that. <laughs> it took me a minute to go. Wait, we're just not okay. We're just not doing. We're using just the R in RPG. We're not using the P and the G. Right. Even though that in and of itself is also an acronym for role playing game. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, like it's open role playing game core license. Creative awesomeness. Or (laughs) (laughs) it's orc, god damn it. (laughs) Oh, that's good. So yeah, yeah, they're doing their thing with that, and I'm like, of course you made it orc. That's yeah. Super fun, super clever. But the uh yeah, the 
Pathfinder 2 play system is really nice. It's not as crunchy as uh, first edition Pathfinder. Yeah, I've got the core book for second edition. I haven't played it, but I've looked through it. It's good. Yeah, it seems it's, good. It's good. I, I like that they're doing the uh, three-action economy and that sort of thing. Starting hit points are way higher sure. um, than they are in D&D. So that you're more survivable early on, but you don't scale as hard. Right. Which is fucking sweet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and... Apparently, you don't run into the issue where your uh, PCs are rolling everything after about fifth level. Because after about fifth level, you have to start throwing really high challenge ratings out or really editing the monsters sure. so that it's competitive for your group. Yeah. If not, they're just shitting on everything. And, like, that's not fun for them. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm stoked for Pathfinder. But uh, back to the sessions that I've played recently... I had party members drop in too, and it was fantastic. They had to make some death saves. And Jeez. they're like, this is the first time we've had to make death saves in a long, long, long time. I was well, like, I've had some know. shitty DMs. Um Whatever. No, uh, Shut up. <laughs> so the last DM we really didn't get into super bad danger. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? Like uh, bad is the wrong word, right? But like you're, you you have to every now and again put your players in a situation that they can't win because they're going to try and failing is humbling. <laughs> so the, so the last DM we we ran into two or three scenarios where we could not win. We were completely overrun. Sure. Uh we ran. We just got the fuck out See, of there. That's but that's not what most people do. Right. No, we did. Most people just no, I'm going to win this fight. Nope, tuck tail. And then the okay. next time where we saw overwhelming odds coming our way, we told this town, we were like, hey, you guys are going to need to evacuate. This is going to be really bad. Um, we're getting out of here. <laughs> so, But you don't understand why that's the rarity, right? That's not what players do. Players see a challenge and they say, I'm going to win. Well, we had, we had another one. It, it was a homebrew monster called a Hungering Maw. Um, if you would do 25 or more damage in a single attack, a fraction of the creature would splinter off and become another of the same creature. So you either had to... So it was a Hydra? It, basically, you either had to <laughs> ping them and bring them down bit by bit, or you had to one-shot them. Right. And we couldn't one-shot them. That was impossible for us. Sure. And most of the party hit too hard every attack to ping them. So we got to the point to where there's fucking nine of these things, and we were like, oh, dude, we're fucked. Yeah. We're fucked. So we were like, how do we not do this fight anymore? And we right. tucked tail and ran. <laughs> Totally so you, so you just left nine things out in the world that are going to go kill everything. We, we found out. Here's what happened with those. We found out that there was this witch that was uh, controlling them. So we ended up talking to the witch. And as there were basically, there were armies coming to march on this port city. And that's sure. the one that we told to evacuate. We talked to the witch and we said, hey, we need those things to go meet the enemy forces right? Uh, because they are going to be able to completely stop, if not drastically slow them. So that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And we just start splitting. It's the, splitting, it's the splitting, hungering it's maws managed to kill off the entire ground force of this army. God only knows how many exist in the world now. All these hungering maws are. Yeah. That's what I said. You, you created a terrible, terrible thing. No, these I didn't create shit. That was another deal. <laughs> that was scary. I had to try to deal with that, but yeah, they were, they were dropping and it was, it was fucking nice. Yeah. And watching him. So the party member, one of them dropped twice, two different fights. He dropped twice in the first one. 
He immediately made his death save. Second one, he rolls a death save and gets a four, and he's like, oh, no. And it, I saw it click with him that I might not get up, and we're only in the second session. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. Yeah. When you see those wheels turn in your character's oh, yeah. head, mm-hmm. and it's it's no longer this, oh, we shit on everything. We're, we, are, we are the almighty steamroller. <laughs> no, you ain't, bitch. Yeah. And, you almost- well, and again, sometimes failure is humbling. It is. Like it shows you that you can't win everything. Because one of the things I, you know, I've played with a lot of different people. And I'm not going to name any names. But there are some people that I've played with where they come into it going, I'm going to win. And it's like, that's not the kind of game it is, man. It's not a win or lose. You don't have to break the game. You know what I mean? Like, right. Power gaming people. Like, I've played with some power gaming people. And they just are so frustrating. I think min-maxing is gross in D&D. It just, it's so frustrating, right? Like, I just... Just enjoy the story, man. Well, that's all it's it is. It's not a win or lose scenario here. Right. It's an ongoing narrative we're trying to tell. Well, that's the thing I always tell my uh, my players is I'm like, hey, because they'll get online and they're like, well, this if I'm going to play this class, yeah, I need to go this, this subclass. Build. And I'm like, don't Stop do looking that. at builds. I'm like, don't fucking do that. I'm like, if you role play well, I'm going to reward you so much more handsomely than if you're just the most overpowered character right, you can possibly big be. jacked Kratos, right. you know? <laughs> that doesn't matter to me. I, I want you to have fun engaging with your character in the world. That's yeah, what's and important. I, and I've found, I think in my life, I have found, you know, uh, people that I enjoy gaming with that feel that way, that we're, we're here because we want to role play. We're here because we want to enjoy the story. We want to see where it's going to go. Right. And that's where that's what I think is is the best way to engage with this as a hobby. A hundred percent. It's just it's disheartening that there are so there are YouTube channels and they're very good, very high quality channels. But what these guys will do is they'll give a breakdown on power levels for these class. And I'm like, man, let people get into the hobby. And if they make if they decide to be something that's wildly underwhelming. Let them just enjoy playing it. Sure. Like you don't need to say oh, every now and again someone wants to play the bard. Right, power level's not going to be, be the underwhelming. Thing. <laughs> yeah, but if you have fun doing it and you can have everybody at the table smiling, yeah, that's what's important there. That's yeah, what when, you want to do. When Mike played the bard in the one campaign we played it, he wrote his own songs. Right, he had a little notebook and whenever he was, it was like, oh, play, uh, you know, play the song of strength, and he'd flip to it and he would just sing it <laughs> in a little, you know. Dear goblin friends, dear goblin friends, please hear my song. <laughs> he would. It was funny. It was great. He That's had a great amazing. time doing it. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> he wrote his own little ballads in his notebook. That's, so I was playing this uh, this gnome bard, and the whole thing that I wanted to do with him, he was a, an aspiring rock star, and I was going to make sure that he... Uh, you know, saying all of his own songs. <laughs> and this is before Critical Role had something akin to that. Sure. So I was really excited for it. And then they basically made my character. And I was like, man, fuck you. And Critical Role is wonderful. You guys are great. Critical Role is great. We, um, we enjoy you, Matt. No, no, no. I'm excited you're playing Ganon. That's that's something very exciting. That is rad. I mean, I'm serious. Every time I've watched that trailer so many times. And every time I hear, do not look away. For you witness a king's revival. I'm just like, you're great. You're great at this. We've never heard this character's voice ever. This is the first time he's spoken in 30 years of Zelda games. And it's the right guy doing it. Perfect. You nailed it. No notes. (laughs) All I have to say is thank you. Yes, thank you, Matt. (laughs) 
yeah. yeah, that's all the nerdy stuff going on in my life. Yeah, it's it's about the same for me. I did. Uh, I finished my He Who Fights with Monsters. Um, it was a twenty six hour audio book. Nice. Uh, fucking binged that shit because I told you on April eighteenth the new one came out. Yeah, yeah. Got through that with the quickness, man. Huh. <laughs> so it's so funny. Um, there were some recording issues in it, and uh, I'm in a couple of groups on Facebook about it. Right. And people are like, "What the fuck, man? This one's riddled with problems." And I'm like, "Yeah." You've never edited anything like that, and it shows because if if you edit a four hour anything, it's a pain in the dick. You edit an hour of audio for something, it's not necessarily a fun thing to do. Let sure. alone twenty six straight hours of it. Sure, cut them a little bit of a break there, uh-huh. but they're like, "This one's slow in parts." I'm like, "You guys are so ungrateful." Like it's a good <laughs> fucking story. It's fun. Like it's yeah. I, I don't know. I People are so weird with that stuff. I'm like, just enjoy it, man, because it's a cool-ass story, and that you get to see this character really progressing and really growing, and his friends are all doing this. It's fucking cool. Right. Um, I do need to get you into that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check it out at some point. Magical. I, uh, I got a lot of books on my backlog right now, so... Plus, I read, like, 20 comic books a week. You do read all I don't of the comics. I don't have too much time for... More reading. I, I I got a lot of reading. I stick that shit in my ear and I just listen away. I'm yeah, like, huh, I, like to, I prefer to read and have the physical book in my hands, though. Well, they, I think that's all just who I am. They might all be digital. I don't know. Like, uh, so if you do Dungeon Crawler Carl, he will do limited print runs of the book. But for the I most, I like having a book in my hand. I man. get it. It's I just always who I'm I don't disagree. Yeah. I love it. But man, audiobooks are fun. Yeah. I know it's not your full on cup of tea. I guess it depends, right? I mean, there are. There are audiobooks I've enjoyed because of the performances. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten different people to do voices. Like when they did those audio versions of Sandman. Oh, yeah. Uh, they got people, to, you know, it wasn't just one person sitting there reading the story to us. It was people doing the characters, right? right. We, we hired actors to play the characters in this audiobook. So that's different, right? That's something a little different. And I'll listen to Critical Role. I don't necessarily like watching Critical Role, but I'll occasionally listen to some Critical Role. Yeah, I, I I like listening to Critical Role more than I like watching it. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it it's just more di- it, it's it's a little easier to digest that way. I think. I Plus, think you're right. watching the cartoon uh, that they did for Amazon is a much more concise way to get oh, all that information. Fuck yeah! I don't have six hundred hours as much as I love your your stuff. I don't have six hundred hours, guy. Uh, <laughs> so the cartoons, great. Keep doing that. Oh, dude, they're fucking fantastic too. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, Ugh, yeah, we'll wrap it up for these guys. Everybody is. Yeah, I got to go back into my real life do. for a little while. Um, thank you for hanging out with us. You guys can go to entertainthegeeky.com, get you a free copy of Merle's Truck Stop Main using the promo code geeky. Right there, right there on this guy's stomach, right yep. there. <laughs> on my chest cavity. <laughs> you can follow all of our social media and stuff there. Uh, I think think in the next week or so here i should be able to start posting some more fun stuff up there for you i think i'm gonna do uh oh yeah i need to apologize so before we go any further apologies for the book club this month um we, oh, yeah yeah that was last weekend that we were supposed to do that and you ran oh, into the car issue man i'm sorry that's okay I forgot all about Not that. your fault um yeah my car just stopped working the, so the accelerator would not make the car go fast so we will do, we will do a uh, a live for V for Vendetta. Um, 
timing's got a little messed up here and it's going to delay the next uh, book club that we do a little bit. Sure. So um, I think in the next two weeks here, we'll probably dive into that one. So not this coming Sunday, but the next. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll do the V for Vendetta book club and move on from there. And then we should, I do think um, we're going to start doing, a, I'm going to do a segment online, a Tales from the Table segment. So I can condense some of my D&D stories and maybe share some maps and stuff with you guys. So if you wanted to integrate it into your play at all, you're more than welcome to. Right on. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for hanging out. As always, stay geeky. <laughs>